Hi, I'm Kunle. I'm Kobe. And, and this, this is, is Two cool, cool Kids and, and a Cam. I'm an artist. And I'm a fashion don. On the show, we're going to explore themes from arts to culture, music to mental health, masculinity, and of course, women. The show aims to empower men and women through honest conversations, debates, and critical questioning of ourselves. So pull up a chair and come vibe with us. What's up, my G? What's up, brother? Happy New so, Year. Happy New Year. It's been a minute, It no? has been a minute. It's been a minute. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it's only right that we start off with... Um, what have you been on lately, actually? Yeah, it's so only Before right. we start, let's so, just... Um, I've been I've been on quite a, a bit. You yeah, know, I've seen you've been on a few adventures. <laughs> yeah, I've been away for about, what, five, six weeks? Yeah. I think I was in India, then I was in Bhutan, a place that perhaps most people don't know where that yeah. is. That's between Nepal and India. Um, yeah, so I was, I was out there doing some research and happiness and just generally just living my best life, yeah. just adventuring away. So, uh, which I guess brings us into, into like... Uh, the what's on your mind segment, which is uh, which is basically, I guess the question is, you know, is is there any benefits to travel? And actually, yeah, the places that we choose to go to when we travel, does that also have any added kind of impact on and what we get out of it? So I just wanted to kind of discuss that because on my travels, being away uh, for six weeks, it was really interesting, several things that I kind of encountered and observed just being one, a person of color in places like India and Bhutan, but also, I guess, how many foreigners I saw or lack of foreigners, especially foreigners of color, and just really intrigued about just our general perspectives around traveling. And and yeah, so let's let's open that. What do you think? Is there any benefits to travel? Because oh, I know that you yeah. generally yeah. are not someone that travels yeah. a yeah. lot. So yeah. but I, but from yeah, your I, perspective... I, I genuinely believe, I think, as a person, there are two things that expands one's mind. Reading and traveling. Those are okay. the two things that really... Just those two things, you think? I, I believe those are the two main components of things right, right. that makes you acquire knowledge. Okay. And one is reaching out and touching someone. And that is by tra traveling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what, what's this dude doing? Not that kind of touching, dude. No. Okay. I was like, go on, daddy. <laughs> oh, I don't know why I said that. Say but, that yeah. kind of thing. Right. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, it's really, I think, re going to places... Seeing people that don't like you, that looks nothing like you, and and really engaging with. That. I'm not talking about going on a lads holiday. I'm talking about why not? What's wrong with that? Why you don't learn from that? You, I don't think you learn as much from that because you learn your alcohol tolerance levels. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you, you learn what makes you sick and what doesn't. You learn maybe the places not to go. Exactly. That, those are also knowledge, but I'm talking about learning about other cultures. Right. When right. you go on a lad holiday your priorities are not really stopping and soaking in the environment. Right, you right. You've got a certain objective in mind and right. you just go, go, go. You don't actually stand, you don't actually stop and actually absorb what's going on around you. Right. But when you go on a holiday by yourself, maybe with a couple of mates and you go and you actually observe and you actually interact mm. with the indigenous people around, mm -hmm. that is when you actually acquire more understanding of right. other people. And, and that's when they actually, I, I believe, you realize how the same we are, mm. regardless of our color or mm. the way we look mm. or the way we dress or mm. what, what we've got. You understand fundamentally as people, we are the same. Right. We love the same. Mm. We laugh at the same kind of jokes. We hate the same. We still we feel the same jealousy. We feel the same pain, mm. just like everyone else. Mm. We might speak a, a different language. We might not understand each other even when we speak, 
but the fundamental feelings are the same. Right. The, you know, that whole cliche, we all bleed the same. Right. It is that. And I believe you you experience that when you travel, when you right. go to places where you would you may have only seen in a on the TV show or right. a documentary or right. something like that. Right. You, and you from the back of your mind go, oh, how do they live like that? Because mm-hmm. maybe you feel living in um in a four wall with a TV is what makes you whoever you are mm. and you go somewhere else and you realize, okay, that person doesn't have all of that. Mm-hmm. They might live in a hut. They might not have any TV or any technology whatsoever, but they are just as happy in their own way. Probably mm. be more happy than you are mm. because they don't have that weight of Western sort of modernization mm. to hold mm. them down. Right. And they're actually free. They're actually more in touch with their humanity than maybe you are. Mm. But you have to go out to these places to understand that, to mm. actually experience it first time to actually get it. So I believe, yeah, definitely, definitely without a shadow of a doubt, traveling and experiencing other cultures and other races is very beneficial to any human being. But then the question is, I mean, I'm also really intrigued because you say reading and travel is one of the things that I guess expands people's minds the most. Um, Is there a socioeconomic factor that inhibits particular groups of people from traveling or or dissuades certain people from seeing it as the norm to to travel from a younger age or to explore because that's something I've started to, I guess, notice. Mm -hmm. Um, The more I travel, the more that I feel like I am completely, uh, uh, I guess, and... Alone, in a yes, way. alone from, traveler in from, these from, environments from, from, from your a, from the, a perspective, from the way you look. exactly yeah. from a from a black man perspective or black person perspective, mm-hmm. you know. And I often just wonder, what is it? You know, what is it that inhibits, um, or does anything inhibit us? Because actually, I'm I'm super intrigued because since I've known you, I know that you've not really. I can't remember if you've maybe gone to Ghana once, if that. But So is that something that you just haven't decided that you you feel like the reading is your version yeah, yeah, of yeah, trying to yeah. explore the world yeah. versus the fact that traveling is just not been accessible or you just not had the desire to? Because, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just intrigued from that perspective. That's a very good point. I think growing up, I was sent to the boarding school. So I used to do a lot of back and forth, back and forth. Mm-hmm. So I think it also, being on a plane kind of, I had a certain view of it, if that okay. makes any sense. Um, so that kind of, so traveling became almost like a chore because right. of the back and forth I had to do. Right. So that almost became not very attractive to me right. after a while. Right. So, um, yeah, so that is one of the reasons why for me, traveling is not a priority to me, but right. I understand I genuinely understand the benefits of it. Right, but from right. uh, But I genuinely believe there are certain factors. Right. It might not apply to me. Right. But there right. are certain factors that sort of might determine whether someone travels a lot or doesn't. Right. Or maybe someone travels to a certain destination and right. not others. Right. And not others. And I believe you are definitely right. In my opinion, the socioeconomic factor is very, very important. Mm. Um, don't get me wrong, because um, I know what you but you would, you would say at some point, which what is... It's not expensive. You can save and all of that, and which is all fine. But it's also a, a mind state, right? right absolutely. So it's also a mind state. So if someone, in my opinion, if someone is comfortable, not everyone, but it's, it's easier to travel when your ends are being met. Um, it's easier because certain people might see it as a luxury. 
Mm-hmm. And certain people might see as a necessity. Right. So you might have certain people that will scrounge everything they've got might, and travel. Right. But for certain, I believe, for people of asking color, we, we sometimes see travel as a luxury rather right. than something that we need to do. Right. So right. If, if I've got two kids and I'm barely making ends meet, traveling is the last thing on my mind. Or traveling to a very obscure place where I do not feel... I can gain any comfort from. Mm. So I would rather travel to Marbella or somewhere where I could relax on the beach and drink a, a pina colada right. and almost in my mind, justify the fact that, okay, I've paid all this money. Right, I'm right. going away to rest and take it easy. So when I, when I, when I get back, I'm fully recharged. Mm. I don't want to be trekking. I don't want to be eating foods that is new to me. I don't right, want to be experiencing right. anything that's in my mind might be a chore. Um, but you would, on the flip side, someone that needs are met, that's comfortable, that knows in a year they could go on a three, four holiday. They can put one holiday aside to go somewhere obscure, to experience mm. Um, another another quarter, something different that might be a chore to someone else. So I think the socioeconomic factors as well. I do agree, but also I actually really disagree as well because I think what you touched oh, on really what you touched <laughs> on earlier is definitely mindset, and I think that's much more prevalent than actually the socioeconomic factors. Because I do accept on a baseline, mm-hmm. there are socioeconomic factors that do not introduce us mm-hmm. to the concept that traveling is something that's worthwhile to do, mm-hmm. and it's worthwhile making sacrifices in your life to be able to uh, make sure that you can access those things. Mm-hmm. Um, because as you said, you know, if most people are you know trying to make sure they make ends meet first, the last thing they want to do is thinking about flying away to India or flying away to Bhutan or wherever else. But what I do then think is the fact that it's not the lack of the money because there are lots of us that have lots of money, but we choose to spend that money on something else. And that is the key point because that speaks more about the mindset. I know people that will go and drop 800, 900 pounds in a Gucci store consistently month in, month out, you know? And to them, that's what they prioritize. That's someone else's capitalistic yeah. ideals. But that's also that, a minority though, right? You you have to admit that. Of that's course, yes, but yeah. that's one extreme. Yeah. But yeah. also in terms of just, in terms of how people seek to, uh, to I guess, indulge in things that make them uh, either uh, feel like they're enjoying themselves or they are growing as a person. Most people in their everyday lives, they would probably, I don't know, say put put aside, I don't know, 300 yeah. a month potentially to do things that yeah. they enjoy, whatever They probably that would is. know if you put, it would be an impulsive thing. Whatever. Right, yeah. right. But I'm just saying in terms of, if, yeah. you, if you calculate, yeah. like say yeah. how much yeah. an average it's person quite spends on, yeah. on just, I don't know, going out yeah. or yeah. like doing things yeah. that are fun to them, yeah. I'll say average maybe, for someone that has a decent enough income, you yeah. say probably 300 pounds yeah. a month yeah. to just socialize and yeah. do other things. So in that context, when you think about that, you know, when I do trips and I travel, people often have this idea that, you know, it you costs so, so much, much money yeah. or whatever else. But, you know, I buy tickets to places that are far away. Yeah. Colombia, 400 pounds. You know, that's not a lot of money. Yeah. When I go into the country, conversion rate, you know, spending money in Colombia, buying things in Colombia is not expensive. Yeah. So all in all, I could come back from a Colombian trip of three weeks and spend maybe 700 pounds, you know? And on paper, there are people that go to Malia and yeah. Marbella and places yeah. like that and, and drop at least 1,800 yeah. pounds. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's, again, it's about mindset. Yeah. It's about what we prioritize yeah. and what we think we are trying to, to learn. Because I think that's one of the biggest things that challenges me and creates this problematic 
insight into how our mindsets are developed. This idea that, you know, we are governed by a fear of the unknown. Yeah. You know, because of course there's years. That's, that is encoded in our DNA. Also, Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And and I think that is one of the things I think debilitates us mm-hmm. in terms of our progression yeah. as people. Yeah. Because a lot of the other uh, groups of people in the world, you know, white people, lots of other races as well, you know, Traveling is obviously from a perspective of looking at the privileges that majority of those groups have always had. So traveling has never been something that that has been alien to them. Yeah. For most of us in the first place, traveling was introduced to our parents or to yeah. us from a perspective of necessity. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. going to England to better yeah. your life. Yeah. And you're yeah. going to this place because- And well, let's not forget about been, let's not forget about slavery also. Yeah, that old so, that old <laughs> ship ride. Yeah. 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 So the, exactly. the first troubles we had exactly. were all uh, uh, some of our ancestors had Absolutely. Was being so I guess the there ship. is elements of maybe elements of trauma that's associated with the idea of traveling. But then that gets, in my opinion, that gets... Um, debunked when you think about where we then choose to travel to. Yeah. Because actually, it's not like we don't travel at yeah. all. We do travel. Yeah. And actually, if you see where most of our pounds and dollars go to, yeah. it's actually to places where people don't actually value who we yeah. are. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. places yeah. where there's this capitalistic yeah. ideals yeah. that we just go yeah. in we come, we to... Spend and exactly. That's it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I think it's about kind of readdressing the mindset first, because then when the mindset is changed, then you could think, you know what, instead of going out five times a week and spending hundred pounds on a bottle of champagne or whatever, maybe I should do that. What was the last time you than- bought a bottle of champagne in the club? It ain't a hundred pound, mate. Well, exactly. That's how you know I don't even drink. Cause I, how much is it? I don't know, but it's definitely, it's, it's cheaper. Way more expensive. What? Way more expensive. Wow. You got bottles in the club that are, I would say five grand. You're mad. I'm bro. not kidding you. You're mad. And the people out there spending it. That's <laughs> yeah. crazy. It's ridiculous. Bro. It's ridiculous. And I drink, and it is ridiculous. That's crazy. 10 bro. grand. You got 10 grand tables. Nah, you're lying. Oh, yeah. Why are you, you got lying 15 to me, grand. bro? Dude, you've got like 50 grand tables. Yeah. I'm just blown away by yeah. the thought of that. But then that's what I'm saying. You know, like some of us, that's um, how we validate our our stages of success in our lives. And, and we tend to aspire to do those things as opposed to aspire to, to travel. Because with my kind of personal experiences, you know, I get a lot of people reach out to me on social media when they see that I post about the places so that bragging. I travel to. No, so not bragging. even on a brag tip. I'm just saying in terms of like, when I post, I don't know, videos, uh, the short videos that I make from trips, people's like, man, like you're living a great life. Like I would like to be able to travel like you. And I look at them and I think, why, what's why stopping you, bro? Yeah. You know, because what I'm doing is not extraordinary. Yeah. You know, I don't have lots of money. You know, it's just a mindset yeah. shift that requires that's required to happen for you to think you need to prioritize that. You know, because for me, for the most part, I used to be, as you obviously could attest to, I used to spend lots of money on pairs of sneakers and pairs of trainers all the time. Average, maybe 300 pounds a month. You know, now I don't do that, you know, and I choose to shift my priorities to things that I think bring more More value value to to me. Um, Don't get me wrong, I do once in a while indulge in those things. But it's about, (laughs) you know, but it's about trying to make sure that I shift my priorities to things that I think brings more wealth to, to me, me as yeah, a person. Yeah. And I just think sadly, as a people, we don't prioritize that enough because yeah. when I was away for five weeks, I only saw one black person. That hurt my soul to the core yeah. because I'm like, it's not like we don't have money. And that again, spoke a lot to the way people were perceiving me when yeah. I was in India and what people were saying to me, you know, cause people was like, oh, where are you from? And I was like, I'm from England. And they were like, no, you're not. I'm like, yeah. They're like, no, but you're, you're African, isn't it? I'm like, yeah, that's where I'm from. So yeah, yeah, yeah so you're African because yeah. I'm surprised that you're here because 
You guys you got, obviously yeah. can't afford to eat. So how can you get a plane flight here? People were asking me that question, bro. People was like, why are you saying you're English? Like you're really African. So actually, how is it that you are able okay, to afford to come it, yeah. here? Because you guys just yeah. about managed to yeah. eat. And I was like- And that's India, you know? I'm, in my head, I was thinking, is that a real question? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I stepped away from the anger and the vexation that was behind my retort for the most part. And I was thinking, I understand why they have that perception. Yeah. Obviously, without removing the colonial context of how they visualize what yeah. Britain is and yeah. how whiteness is yeah. what they aspire for generally in India. But outside of that, it's the fact that what they consume of Africa is obviously a rhetoric that yeah. is completely yeah. uh, entrenched in this, oh, save the poor kid yeah. that can't eat. Yeah. And they don't meet a lot of mm -hmm. black people yeah. that, challenge, yeah, that challenge that narrative. They don't see yeah. enough yeah. people like yeah. me that are, you know, creatives yeah. and and also are from Africa yeah. and also are of different European or yeah. uh, Western uh, heritage as well to kind of shatter this perspective that, you know, England is not just white people. Yeah. And actually they are black people that are of African heritage, yeah. Caribbean heritage that also travel and explore and actually have, you know, wisdom and yeah. have money to spend yeah. and don't need you to feed them yeah. and all these kind of narratives. And I just found that really challenging and problematic. And, and I just thought, you know what, there needs to be uh, a mindset shift in the ways in which we encourage ourselves and actually debunked this, I, this idea that, you know, re, uh, traveling is only for the rich and it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's for the privileged, it's for the wealthy, because yeah. of course there is that layer yeah. of that, you know, um, because I would never have been able to afford to go to Bhutan if I didn't get uh, a grant to do yeah. that because it's $250 a day to be in the country. You're kidding. You know, it is. Oh, wow. It is. And it's called, it's the line of happiness. Um, really? Which obviously, happiness costs money. But, uh, <laughs> irony, but, right? <laughs> but it's super fascinating. And I know, of course, that is one, that is one, um, that is one anomaly. Yeah. You know, that's not a place that everyone generally yeah, goes go to. to yeah. um, and obviously, there's a lot of factors as to why they have such tariff. But that's obviously one kind of uh, exception. But generally, there's a lot of places in the world that I go to that I come back completely enriched that if I look at how much that cost me as a whole, it's the probably, exactly, just, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's super, super, you know, um, enriching and brings much more value than the actual monetary element. Yeah. And I just think it's something that, especially with young people, it's important. Every time I, I do workshops, with groups, I always speak to them about all the places that I've gone to when I do workshops around photography and I show them various images and they be like, wow, man, you're super amazing. You've traveled to all these places. And I get to tell them, listen, obviously I came from similar backgrounds yeah. as you. It's not like my parents had any money. It's just about the mindset change. You know, yeah. instead of spending that extra bit on a pair of, I don't know, a PS4 yeah. that, you know, between the next year that depreciates and you want to get the PS5, yeah. you know, half of that money will take you somewhere else yeah. that will bring you so much more enlightenment yeah. and get you to, to, to see a different perspective yeah. of how people perceive you as a black person mm -hmm. or how, as you highlighted, how similar we are to lots of different people and actually also how the idea of blackness is something that when you step out of your own kind of immediacy, you could realize that blackness is not all you know it to yeah. be based on a council yeah. estate yeah. In, in Hackney or yeah. based on, you know, living in Chelsea as a black yeah. person. It's realizing that there's a global perspective yeah. and actually there are global struggles that maybe you also relate to yeah. or actually sometimes you cannot relate to. Yeah. And I think it's super interesting for me in terms of the enlightenment that comes from the places that I go 
because I have chosen to prioritize those things as things that actually, no matter how much money I earn, I would always make sure I go to places yeah. to seek knowledge. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I guess that's that's pretty much what's been on my mind since I got back. And the one the one point I forget to make as well is um, let's not forget that when we're talking about socioeconomic factors, money money is in the root of it all. Yeah. Time is also a big factor. So um, if I go back to if if I've got say only two weeks holiday for the year, just um what you call it, just speaking out. Um, what are my priorities? Am I going to go on a um a cultural holiday where I'll be trekking around, knowing I've only got two weeks holiday, yeah. or do I want to go somewhere where I just want to chill because I only know I've got two weeks holiday? So time is also a major component. You might have the money, but you might not have the time. So the little time you get, you you cannot. You assume going to a chilled out, maybe a five-star resort is what would replenish your soul so you can get back to this hustle and, hustle and bustle and with a new energy, right? So also, but someone that might have six, seven or whatever weeks holiday mm-hmm. um, in the year might be able to go, okay, you know what? I can go on a three weeks holiday, on a drunken boozy holiday, that's fine because I know I've still got a three weeks where I can do something cultural, do something more enlightening to me and all of that stuff as well. So it's also, it's, it's the money, but it's also the time. I do, I do agree, as they say, time, the, time is, time is money. So I do yeah. agree with that to a certain degree, yeah. but I do think though, which again opens a bigger conversation is around the fact that what, how many of us, you know, work just to survive? You know, because if that's the case, then every single moment that you do have as a time of holiday, you probably choose to want to stay on the beach. Yeah. And there's not necessarily anything wrong yeah. with that. And it's quite a question lot of people is, that work to survive. Exactly. But then the question is, you know, that is a very sad it is. trope. Yeah. If majority of us work yeah. to survive. Yeah. We're more than and actually, work to live. Like, the challenge, mm-hmm. And we need to challenge that. You know, <laughs> we need to challenge, like, how can we create a different way of living that is not based upon just surviving. Mm-hmm. Because if that's the case, we just end up being- In that cycle. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what- and There's no growth. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why we need to be able to find ways to afford ourselves the time. Yeah. And if that means sometimes, you know, choosing to take a pay cut in something that, and do something that you rather do, that you enjoy, that mm-hmm. affords you more time. Because the question is, what do you value more? Your mindset, your well-being, or just having more money? Just to do nothing because you don't have time to do nothing yeah. with that money. But that's also, you know, so that also brings a very interesting topic, right? Which is value is very subjective, right? right. So even though in the in the in the grand scheme of things, we've got certain core values that we know these are the things that enlighten you. But someone it's also the thing or someone might think, oh, me going to spend that 800 pound on that Gucci is what brings me joy, right? But it might not bring you enlightenment, but that's what brings me joy and makes my soul, me going and spending 15 grand on a, on a table in a club is what brings me this fulfillment. It might not bring you enlightenment, but it still brings you a second. And each, so, each their own, but I think that's where there's a critical interrogation about the core... Intention. What your core values exactly. are. Yeah. Because if that brings you joy, I'm not going to ever tell you that's mm-hmm. wrong, that that brings you joy. But yeah. the question is actually... It kind of is. <laughs> no, I, I don't think that's necessarily wrong. I think the question is to ask yourself, why, why? is it that that brings yeah. you yeah. value? Yeah. You know, to yeah. interrogate, why is it that you get value mm-hmm. from feeling like spending 15 grand yeah. on a table yeah. is what brings you joy? Yeah. You but you can afford it. Yeah, but then is that mm-hmm. the best use of money for you? <laughs> if you can afford it? 
you know so that's that's, that's for the individual to yeah. be to interrogate yeah, themselves it's about it's not for analyze and realize exactly yeah. exactly but yeah i think it's really interesting and it's something perhaps over time we're gonna you know explore a little mm-hmm. bit more i just think you know traveling over this period obviously i travel quite a bit and i end up being definitely a minority all the time in most of the countries that, that I go, go to. to yeah. And I just think, you know, it's become such a consistent observation that I, I think, especially in this time in India, especially in terms of how people it's spoke it, yeah, to yeah, me yeah, yeah. and the way people projected their stereotypes That's onto you, onto me yeah, really made yeah. me think, wow, like, it's not like we don't travel. Yeah. We just go to yeah. places yeah. like, as you highlighted, yeah. Marbella yeah. and Ayanapa and Vegas and Miami. Yeah. Yeah. But... There's a lot of all these other places in the world that people don't see people like us. And actually, therefore, that forces and them to- And when they do, we are in the same kind of situation. Exactly, exactly. Of, which is quite interesting, because the whole idea of us traveling is experiencing other people and experiencing other cultures and realizing we're all the same. Exactly. And it's quite interesting where you would go to a place and they have that notion of exactly, you. and it's and so I think it's it's a mutual uh, learning experience when yeah. you travel because yeah. I I would hope that the people that I you encountered absolutely yeah. I forced their thought process mm-hmm. to be challenged yeah. by thinking actually I met another black guy yeah. one black guy yeah. today which actually is also British and yeah. came from Africa spoke good English yeah. surprisingly and you know uh, you know um, didn't need me to pay his way in yeah. life, you know? And then from then on, they would probably think, maybe if I see another black person, I shouldn't jump to the assumption that- You know, you know the they, funny thing though is, is where that notion would come from? Because I would ask, how many Indians have paid away for any black person's life? Probably right? Yeah, so the notion that they would even perceive you to one that is- But I think, again, we cannot remove that from the- Global, and that's what I mean. From so the global so anti-blackness that's, context. That's it. So from a physical standpoint, they've not encountered right, any, right, anything right. for them to even have a negative connotation to. But because of what has been projected to them, it's exactly. because of what they've seen in the media, exactly. because of what they've seen on TV. Exactly. They got this idea that they've not even experienced. Absolutely. Right? But then that speaks to every, that every stereotype. The idea of you know, there's yeah, a lot of people that have stereotypes that have yeah. never actually to met someone that ex- before. It's just a, it's, yeah. it's a stereotype that they've taken on from wherever yeah. else, and they absolutely think that's the truth. Have you not realized, right, that stereotypes are such a, an interesting thing, right? That when you actually encounter someone that behaves in, the, in, in their stereotype, you are actually shocked mm. because you never actually see that. Right, right. And then when you actually see, when, once in the bloom, when you actually see someone mimic that stereotype, you actually go, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. They've actually done that because that's not something you see. Exactly. It's been, it's been perpetrated and it's been projected, but you actually don't see it. Exactly. Very interesting. So with regards to mental, mm-hmm. you have something really juicy on the table. Yeah. What we got? Um... With the, um, with the with the YouTube uh, Me Too movement going on, <laughs> I know. <laughs> with this um, with a, that um, speaks the whole thing entirely. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, with the Me Too movement that's been going on, yeah. and rightfully so, I was just thinking. Um, I'm with sometimes what we what us men go through with this toxic masculinity as well. I was thinking this day and age is. What do you think? Is it okay or is it acceptable for the woman to become the primary breadwinner and the man be the stay-at-home person and take care of the home and support the lady in that kind of way? If the lady is the one going and getting it, is it? do we frown upon that man? Does that man feel any way emasculated or is it acceptable? I'm going to give you a 
just an anecdotal example. Yeah. I was running a workshop with some young boys and I talked about this particular is, uh, this theme, I asked them, what is it to be a man? Mm-hmm. And one of them was like, yeah, making all the money, making sure that your wife and your girl is taken care of and stuff. And I said, okay, what if she's making more money than you? He's like, I'm going to find a way to make her get fired. I was like- Really? They actually said that? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, hold on a minute. So you're earning five grand. She's earning 10 grand. And as a couple, you're making do with 15 grand. Yeah. So- she starts to earn more than you, so she's earning 10 grand. Yeah. So you will make a, you find a way to make her get fired. So you struggle to provide for the family yeah. on five grand. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I was like, wow. wow. That's how I realized how deeply Deep. yeah. intrinsic this conditioning of yeah. how masculinity has yeah. been sold to us yeah. culturally, yeah. especially from a perspective of, I mean, I think all men generally, but I think even with the caveat of being Black men, I think there's there's an extra cultural pressure in terms of it's our responsibility solely yeah. to be able to is make that, sure that- Is that patriarchal system? Exactly. And I just think it's super poisonous. Um, I don't think it should be one or the other. Mm-hmm. I think if a woman earns more money, the guy, the father could be a stay at home or vice versa. It shouldn't be a role that is super based upon gender. It should be based on the economics, mm-hmm. in my opinion, mm-hmm. I think. But also- I don't necessarily think that should devalue particular characteristics that either bring to the table. So a man should not be less masculine because his wife earns more. Again, this is in the vacuum of social and cultural pressures because I think in the society we live in, that almost comes hand in hand. Because again, when I said to to the boys that are, you know, there are lots of men that definitely, they're the ones that, you know, do more of the nurturing of the child mm-hmm. and the mothers are back to work almost soon enough as soon as they could get back on their feet and then the fathers are taking care of the babies they're the ones that's doing all that stuff and the guy's like oh hey, that's moist man he's dead <laughs> and i was just like you know it's super super interesting because you know that is a microcosm of the way the society yeah. views yeah. that yeah. you know obviously there are regions in the world like scandinavia who are much more progressive mm-hmm. in the ways in which they view gender yeah. um equality yeah. and how you know within the infrastructure because we cannot talk about trying to make there a cultural shift without actually changing the structures yeah because that's in that's places of employment yeah. that needs to yeah. change yeah. to yeah. equally reflect yeah. Yeah. Paternity um, uh, rights and paternity leave and things like that. Because if that doesn't change, it doesn't force the society to think about the situation differently. You know, so therefore, you know, if a man at work chooses that he wants to have a paternity leave for, you know, nine months to take care of his baby, I don't think at the workplace they would create the the conducive environment. Exactly. And, And I think until those kind of things start to change, would we as a society start to think, okay, hang on a minute, maybe these... Uh, tropes that we have assigned mm-hmm. to our society or agenda needs to start to to actually deconstruct. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, sadly, I personally think that should not be an issue. Yeah. And actually, no matter... And don't you think the man... Do you think the man should not be emasculated for that? Because you go, um, to play the devil's advocate, you go, you go think of it. We've evolved to be to be hunters and what you call it, provide. We've, we've, Who is we? Men. Men. Okay. Right? So from the caveman days all the way through, the man has gone out, hunted and killed wherever meat he can find and bring it home. Yeah. So in that, is it not something that is also sort of 
in us as men to go out and provide for our family. Absolutely, but so what when, does provide mean? Provide, provide means so when, taking care of your child. Yeah, but so, so if you're bringing home the bacon, right? So, but that's that's one definition of provide. Yeah, that's though. true. You so know, when you cut that off, is that man not missing something? I don't necessarily think he's missing something, but I think we've not been developed or we've not been conditioned to develop the other side of what provide means, mm -hmm. which could be the emotional side of provision. Mm -hmm. We could be the pastoral side of mm -hmm. provision. We've as a society, allocated those roles to genders. Yeah. So the pastoral and the emotional side of provision should be the woman's role. Yeah. And then the financial side should be the men's role. Yeah. And I think that is where the poison is because those allocations are not balanced. Yeah. You know, and therefore the man who chooses to stay home because his wife earns more money is also providing. Yeah. He's just not providing, providing the economic that, side yeah, of it. Economy, yeah. You know, he's providing the- He's not bringing home the bacon per se. Exactly. Yeah. But he's bringing home something else that's yeah. equal to a bacon, yeah. Yeah. you know? Yeah. Because in the same vein as the woman who's perhaps not earning as more as the, as the husband, she's not providing less. Yeah. She's providing equal, but in a different way. Yeah. And actually yeah. that's exactly what should be. So she's not less of a woman yeah. because she's now earning more money yeah. and she cannot provide the pastoral yeah. side. Yeah. So therefore, why should he be less of a man? Because yeah. he's not bringing more of the bacon yeah. and he's providing the other side. Yeah. So I just think everything is about balance. Yeah. And actually to be able to create a well-rounded, uh, human being, you need to be able to have uh, socioeconomic stability yeah. as well as emotional yeah. and yeah. mental stability. Yeah. And that needs to be provided by both parties. Yeah. It's not one person's role to do that, nor is it the other. Mm -hmm. And I just think when that narrative starts to become much more of a universal thought process, mm -hmm. then I think we will start to create much more of a healthier, balanced person yeah. in the household. And therefore, men who are not as fragile mm -hmm. by the concept of a yeah. woman earning yeah. more yeah. than they are. Yeah. Now you're definitely right. And you brought up a very, very um, interesting point, which is the definition of provision, mm -hmm. right? So in the caveman day, the definition of provision was quite simple. Right, you go right. out, you kill something, you bring it in, mm -hmm. right? There was no, and then we developed butter trading. So mm -hmm. you go out, you kill something. Maybe you don't want that thing, but you might want um, some fruits. You you trade your, your kill for a fruit. Mm -hmm. You bring it home. But we now live in a, a time where the provision is changed. Mm. You no longer need to go out and kill something. Right, right. right. So it's interesting how the, the provision is changed, but attitude are still kind of same. Mm -hmm. And it's very, very, it's a very, very important point that you brought because yeah, you are definitely right. The provision is now is changed. Mm -hmm. So now what are the provisions? Right. Emotional provisions, mm -hmm. definitely right. Economic provisions there that's still there are mental provision. Um, making sure you have a safe home mm -hmm. for everyone um, involved to be in and have and be safe, right? Mm -hmm. So that is completely right. So I think as people, we need to start shifting our attitude with the times mm -hmm. because the times has changed. The, mm -hmm. way we, the way we provide is completely changed. Mm -hmm. Now you don't even have to go out and farm anymore, mm -hmm. right? But we still- There are farmers out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but it's, the majority of us do not have to go out and farm, right? Oh, well, in, in in this present world that we live in, you got places where that is still the um, mm -hmm. the norm. But if you don't have to go out and farm, and you don't have to go out and hunt to get your meal, then why are you still using the mindset pertaining to that very thing? Exactly, because right? we've completely moved on. And I think as men and as people, we need to start sort of. Um, self-analyzing why we feel the way we feel. Exactly. Is this something that 
our parents have started to feel. Because the interesting thing is, half of the kids that say what they said are mimicking their parents. Exactly. Absolutely. They're mimicking home. Exactly. That's what they exactly heard from what they home. See, That's course. what they've seen from their environment. And they've and they've attributed that to be the truth. Absolutely. And I do think, you know, that's one of the number one indicating factors as to why there's more single parents mothers that raise young boys especially black boys than they are uh nuclear parents because that trope of the fact that the man has to be the one to provide by any means necessary that's an added you know conjunction to that so by any means necessary most of us black men because of the societal injustice and societal inequality most of them have chosen a pathway yeah, which is yeah, not necessarily yeah, legal. Quite so by default, the run, they yeah. end up going through the prison pipeline yeah. and therefore, because of that poisonous trope that I cannot be a man yeah. if I don't yeah, provide. Yeah. And I cannot provide through a legal means, yeah. so I have to do it through yeah, legal yeah. means. And by default, in this journey to provide for my offspring, I'm having to sacrifice myself yeah. and go to prison. Yeah. How are you providing for yeah. the offspring yeah. at the end of the day? When you yeah. could have chosen to maybe decide to be more present yeah. and actually the child know you don't have any money yeah. but I'm here, but here and I'm giving yeah. you pastoral you support, support. we're struggling else. together yeah. Yeah. and I think when that shifts then the propensity towards some of the illegal activities that take most black men away from the home mm -hmm. will start to reduce I don't think that's the only factor yes. I do I think that is a, a, a very strong mental factor yeah. as to why there are less black fathers at home because of this same trope that you cannot be a a strong man if you cannot physically and um, economically provide for your family yeah. and where in some cases it's more easier for the woman to do that yeah. and actually to empower her to be yeah. the one to yeah. do that yeah. speaks more of your strength yeah. than your weakness yeah. Yeah. but yeah yeah now you come you're definitely right i think it's um the attitude is very very important um and we, we get in there i don't think we get in there quick enough but no. hopefully we will get there at some point but i think the idea of a person or a gender assigned to something specific from an external standpoint is when when you think of it from um, an objective standpoint, it's very ludicrous, mm. right? It's like, oh yeah, you're a guy, you're supposed to do that. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're a woman, you're supposed to do that. Like that is so ludicrous. But for some reason, we we've we've, we've seemed to accept that that's the norm and that's okay. And that is that's gradually shifting, but we need to get to a point where men and you you've made another point as saying for things to change society has to change with it mm -hmm. um and uh, that great point you made about um things like even paternity leave being we need to look at it differently mm -hmm. because if if you are to if you are telling a guy that he, it's okay for him to be at home and take care of his kids mm -hmm. but go oh no but by the way you've only got two moms exactly one, one message that you exactly. send you're sending a mixed message to this person Absolutely. Going, oh yeah actually why do you expect a woman to be the only one staying at home uh, you can stay you can stay at home too oh but I just give you two moms to do that and then exactly. get your ass back to work and it's like what message so it's definitely you de You are definitely right on there we as, as a society we need to also start changing the structures and make it more conducive and support Whatever, what gender wants to do whatever they want to do. Because I think on top of that, what it does, it then does is it then opens the door for the privileged. Mm -hmm. Because then if 
a white man who has a, I don't know, probably a better opportunity mm-hmm. economically mm-hmm. is only given two months of work. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's able to yeah. self-fund yeah. the rest of yeah. the six yeah. months yeah. to stay at home yeah. with his child. Yeah. But a black man who yeah. just about got that yeah. job, yeah. Yeah. he doesn't have yeah. the freedom always, or the safety net yeah. to be able to say, okay, then yeah. I want to be able to provide for yeah. my child pastorally I'm, I'm and emotionally. A pay cut or exactly. work less hours exactly. because I, I'm comfortable to be able to do exactly. it. We can't. So yeah. even though self-interrogation and self-analysis needs to happen, but at the same time, the infrastructure needs to equally change, change to, to change. be able to challenge to people make to start up. to think yeah. that yeah. way. Because, yeah. you know, it becomes a catch-22 yeah. because who's going to shift yeah. first? Because yeah. if, if our mindset doesn't change first, yeah. then, and then the, the uh, infrastructure changes, it's still yeah. not going to But then we have move. no excuse. Well, because now we've got that excuse of, oh, what can I do? I've only got two months. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if, if the structures change, it forces us to change because we have nothing to fall back on mm. and pretend, oh yeah, I can't do this because of such and such and such and such. But we need to want the change for society to change also. Yeah. So it's, it's, but then it's even those the tier lower than that, because we're talking about marital homes, but actually in terms of the actual interrelations between, uh, say, uh, uh, heterosexual mm-hmm. couplage, mm-hmm. you know, that also... It doesn't have to be in terms of you kind of providing for the home because yeah. you're not together yeah. in yeah. that capacity yeah. yet. But in terms of who pays for the date yeah. Yeah. or you yeah. feeling like you're less yeah. of a man if yeah. you're not showing yeah. up in this yeah. fancy car yeah. trying to treat it to yeah. this place as a yeah. five-star hotel. Yeah. Because that's also the same yeah. trope yeah. that actually you're less of a man. Yeah. If you say to her, let's take a walk and, yeah. and talk about life. Yeah. She's probably going to think he's a broke guy. Yeah. And what does that actually mean? She thinks I'm broke. Yeah. And that means I'm not a man. Yeah. And all of these other ideals. Yeah. So, so, so is it also not... And that's a very important point that you, what you brought. So is it also not interesting right I saying does the guy feel that way because the woman judges him for that or do we assume the woman will judge us for that right well, I mean because I think if I'm to take a lady if I'm to take a lady on a date and I go oh let's go for a walk mm-hmm. that's that's a nice idea yeah but, I think it is but if if the lady's thinking Oh, look at this broke-ass dude. Yeah. What's he doing? Yeah. Before we were going out for drinks or dinner or whatever, and he's taking me on this cheap-ass day. You know that word gets thrown about cheap yes, day? Yes, of cheap course, day. of course. So are we entitled to feel the same kind of way or do we just assume the lady will feel that kind of way and then it makes us feel the same kind of way? Bro, I, I mean, I don't know which one comes first, what, what, but I do know that there is a uh, section of women that definitely have that idea that if a man is trying to do what they would perceive to be a cheaper option of a date, mm-hmm. then they would look at him in a particular yeah. way and think, oh, he's trying to just have a quick, yeah. quick cheap date yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And I do think there are some of us that have more of a mental perception that that's what she would think. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I shouldn't do that yeah. instead. So I think it's, it's, it's a combination. But I think for this complete... 360 to happen, the change has to happen for the women as well as for men. Yeah. Obviously, we need to make more of yeah. the change, yeah. but I think the mindset of the ways in which women purport yeah. also, and also the way that women um, are agents of the same structure yeah. that perpetuates this mindset yeah. also needs to be interrogated. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, I think those the work needs to be done on both sides, but we need to take responsibility yeah. for our own yeah. stuff. Because I've got friends that would literally say, I've got guy friends, friends that would say, I can't, I would never allow a girl to pay on a, on a date. I'll go, why? Because, and the literally the answer is because I'm the, I'm a guy. Like literally that's the answer, which is all fair and good and it's romantic and it's is it? very chauvinistic. But at the root of it all, you need to question why. Exactly. Why exactly. do you feel as a man, 
you are entitled to pay. And then, and this is where it gets interesting. So what do you feel you're entitled to pay? Then the lady owes you something. Right, exactly. And exactly. it goes down it to feeds the same feeds sort of patriarchal structure. And for me, I think it's super important because that's one of the first things that is so important for me if I go on a date with someone. If it's I you, sense- you, you make her pay. <laughs> if I sense that there is that expectation that it's up to me yeah. to pay, that initially gives me a, a, a full con- context of how her mindset yeah. is. Because actually, that to me is poisonous. Yeah. You know, that it's my right yeah. to pay yeah. for you yeah. on our first date. Yeah. It's nobody's right yeah. to pay for nobody. Yeah. Yeah. So and actually, it, both of us should intend yeah. and insist to pay for ourselves. Yeah. And it almost, almost, and in the, in the weird way, it almost tells you that they assume their time is more valuable than exactly. you. Exactly, like, exactly. That you should be more... Like appreciative, yeah, of of spending time with her than she of you. And again, you know, these are things that have been reinforced by the structure yeah. of the way the society yeah. is. Yeah. You know, because women are rare to be seen as the final piece to your life's achievements, mm-hmm. and they are, you know, so they are supposed to be seen as the icing on your cake. Yeah. So, and then you are supposed to achieve everything that you can achieve, and yeah. then use that as a way to lure the yeah, woman yeah, and say you're yeah. my final accomplishment. Yeah. And those two kind of narratives are very, you know, very problematic yeah. in the ways in which you know young kids are socialized to to accept these uh, this gender. Uh, uh, expectations of each other and I just think especially working with the demographic of boys that I work with I hear these things a lot and it just really just it saddens me but also speaks a lot to the ways in which the society right. conditions yeah. them to be that yeah. way and it's so insightful mm-hmm. because it reminds me that so much more work needs, to, needs be to be done so yeah. big time yeah big so time. just lastly about this subject what would you say are some of the, the the ways in which this could be tackled in terms of moving forward what 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 are the things that we can actually take agency about in terms of changing this in our everyday lives i think you made a, 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 a another good point earlier which is we need to be fluid mm. we need to if if i earn more we need to be very pragmatic we almost need to tackle the situation as a Almost like an accountant, right? Profit, profit and loss, right? If if I'm earning more in a relationship, mm. it's got nothing to do with gender. Mm-hmm. I'm earning more. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it comes to who the breadwinner is going to be, the logic would dictate that I would be the the breadwinner. Mm-hmm. If if my, my wife or my missus or my girlfriend is earning more, then the same way I should be able to accept that and go, okay, you you are ahead of the curve right now. If there's anything that I need to support you to make this a comfortable and safe space, then we need to, we need to work around that because mm-hmm. it makes no sense for me to go, oh yeah, you the you you the major, you you earn more than I am from a very pragmatic standpoint. But um, actually now, quit what you're doing and support me with the little that I'm earning just be just because. So I think being almost being taking the passion out of it for a second and being very objective and very pragmatic with what's going on, I think is one, is very, very important. I think also we need to start from the foundation up. Mm. And that I think we've tackled this um, conversation about this toxic masculinity thing. I think from, as, from kids, we need to start teaching our kids better. Mm. We need to start teaching our kids to respect whatever role gets assigned to us mm. and not be, not have this predetermined idea of what we're supposed to be. Mm. Um, we need to support one another. I think that should be like the foundational, mm-hmm. the foundation of it all. We need to support one another. And by that, 
the definition could be so different. Mm-hmm. By that, it could be supporting one another emotionally, understanding what we, what we both do mm-hmm. and what we both bring to the table mm-hmm. and how we can actually expand on that and make each other richer in different ways. So if it's that by me supporting you um, from an economic um, standpoint to earn more so I can then raise the kids or take care of the f- family or actually it could also even be a thing of, you know what, we both have to do it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because sometimes we don't even, we don't also tackle that part. It could also be a thing of, we both have to do it. Mm-hmm. You bring in 50, I bring in 45. Mm-hmm. I bring in 60, you bring in 30. Mm-hmm. It comes together, it's what, 90, exactly. right? We can't even now afford the nanny. Right. So so we need to tackle all these things. But yeah, you are, you you were right with that, um, being able to identify what each other brings to the table and not have that pre- determined condition of, oh, you know what? I'm the guy, I'm supposed to do that. She's the woman, she's supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. So you know what? To hell with what she's earning, that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. If you're married to Oprah, Oprah, you take out the bill. I'm good, right? <laughs> hey, I'm good. I'm good with that. But yeah, I think we need to be, and it stems from sometimes our insecurity. Absolutely, I was going to say that. Really and true. it all starts from day one. Exactly. Being raised the way we get raised, a guy you cannot cry. You have to be a man. You have to take care of everyone. You have to go out and you have to earn. And like you said, by no means, ne- by any means necessary. Mm-hmm. You just have to go bring it in. However you do it, mm-hmm. that's on you. Mm-hmm. And what if he can't? Now you, is, is he now less of a man because you've told him if he doesn't bring it in, mm-hmm. he ain't. Yep. So now you're blaming him for feeling the same kind of way when he can't bring it in. Yes. Now he has to go out and do whatever he has to do and bring it in. And whereas women are rarely the opposite. You grow up, know how to take care of the home, be beautiful, and that's all the, those are the only bargaining tools that, that you should yeah, have in the should, world. That's it, yeah. To be able you don't to need attract. anything else. Exactly. Yeah. So therefore, a woman that has those things, so that's why she would feel that you should feel worthy yeah. that she's giving yeah. you her yeah. time because yeah. she's beautiful yeah. and she's got... She's time exactly, on her appearance. Yeah. Exactly. So she turning up but, to but, a date. But, but she's seen you. You take more time on your appearance than she does. Well, m- most will think that, but I was born like this, bro. You know, I woke up like this, brother. So uh, <laughs> I would be quick to let her know that. So uh, <laughs> this this is just what it is, right? Absolutely. So I just think, you know, that those two elements have to equally be challenged to be able to create an environment that is much more progressive in the way that that we look at gender and gender assigned roles as well. So, yeah. So, uh, in my feelings. In my feelings. We have a rather interesting one today. Do we? <clears throat> we let's, do. Let's see, what's your definition of interesting? I mean, <laughs> we shall see. Um, I mean, I guess it's this idea of, of how casual sex is perceived as a society also tying in from the last uh, conversation around gender. Good you know, segue, actually. Yes. The fact that, you know, casual sex is something that's always societally been seen as something that's generally more beneficial and something that's much more proposed by men yeah. as something that we derive much more joy from. Mm-hmm. And women who end up being part of that are somewhat, uh, as a society seen in particular terms mm-hmm. used with words like whole and loose and all of that mm-hmm. stuff whereas with men that's not the same yeah, sort you, of you're pale. terminology yeah. um so yeah just kind of thinking about does casual sex only benefit men mm-hmm. and actually with women that that choose to um 
to exercise their agency with mm-hmm. casual sex as the society progressed enough for them to not be seen mm-hmm. in those derogatory terms. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that's the topic for that's today. The topic for today. Not a lot to chew on, of course <laughs> not. Not at all. Yeah. Like, like always, right? Yeah. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? So it's um it's an interesting one. So I will start with the um sort of the scientific devil advocacy of it all, right? Okay, all and right. which is as men, we've been programmed to sort of spray our seeds and hope in one sticks. That's how that's, literally, yeah, <laughs> it's literally, because that is what that is Sticky. what. If if you look through, if you look through, if you look across nature, right, the male species, well, the male of the species, always what you call it, has evolved to get as much as you can out there, hoping that one sticks and his bloodline go. Goes on. I don't know so if that's true because that there's, is, there's some animal species that's yeah. the opposite. The women yeah. are the ones that go and have sex with all the multiple men. So, and so the woman has always been the one that uses the best gene. It could be multiple, but it could be the multiple best gene. The yeah, guy, they, if it was up to the guy, he would impregnate all the females and or you call it in his in his camp or wherever it is. Mm-hmm. But the woman would hardly, in, I'm not talking about the um, work of the human species for, at, at this point in time, mm-hmm. but in most of the animal, um, what do you call it, kingdom, the woman is the one that picks the strongest male. Yep. So that's, that's the reason why male would literally fight sometimes to the death, to be able to be the one the woman, the female will pick. Mm. So, but if it was up to the male, he wouldn't fight to the death. If it was up to the male, he would literally impregnate all the females that are ready for are ready to mate, right? But the female is almost sort of like what well, in in most of the animal kingdom, the female is almost being like the the quality checker. Mm. So if you're not strong enough, then my offspring is not going to be able to survive. Mm. So you are not going to breed. Mm. You are not you're not going to. If you are strong enough, if your peacock, if your feathers are bright enough, if you are the alpha male, okay, yeah, you have the lances to then come and we can then have an offspring. Mm. So from that standpoint. The male has always wanted to spread his soul, as as, as you will. But now we live in a a modern society where things has changed, right? We no longer, as as human beings, we no longer have to to do that. But there's also a double standard, right? So if I go and I sleep with 200 women, let's say. Is that the number? No, it's probably like 10. <laughs> but just 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 for the show's sake, I say two hundred women. It's probably like probably five or six. But um, yeah, let's say I've slept with two hundred women, right? My boys see me and go, will spot me and go, player, player, or something ridiculous like that. Mm. The woman does that, and she's like you said, be, will be labeled whatever she's get she gets labeled on, mm-hmm. and we. As a society, and it goes from the, um, the topic we just had, we as a society feels that's okay. Mm-hmm. But why is that okay? Um, what what is it that I can do that she cannot do? Mm-hmm. And is it is it still because in our mind the woman is the quality checker? Mm. Is it is it in our mind the woman should is supposed to be the one that picks the the alpha of the alpha male. Mm. And right now, alphas are different, right? So in the past, it could have been the strongest male. But now, it's no longer that. Now it could be the, the guy with the most, yeah, right, the right. one with the most money, the one that's the most handsome, the tallest guy, the one with the biggest bicep, the one with the great smile. You're describing me. <laughs> I <don't> know. <laughs> Man has the biggest bicep, right? <laughs> 
So, so we are still in that mindset of, oh yeah, the 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 woman has to, well, has to pick the the quality, and the guy is okay to just go for quantity. Mm. And why do we still think that? when society is moved on from where it used to be mm. and we no longer have a space where we underpopulated. We actually overpopulated. So we don't even need to spread our seeds like we used to in the past, right? I think for me is we cannot enter this conversation without actually looking at the role that uh, conditioning of society, which again links to religion. Mm -hmm. I think religion in a lot of different facets of it have purported this model that purity Yeah for a woman yeah. is the most desirable. Yeah. yeah. And actually doesn't speak in most cases, doesn't speak um uh uh I guess doesn't speak specifically about what the male purity looks yeah. like if there is that yeah. conversation around that. So I think with that premise, the idea that women should save themselves and keep themselves and as society that gives them more value. Yeah. Um and Therefore, the man should not explicit, uh, not uh, explicitly mm -hmm. said in religious terms, but it's okay to sow your yes, seeds. Yeah. Go and sow then your royal when oats. you're ready, yeah. find the woman who has chosen to keep herself pure yeah. and then you have done well for yourself. Yeah. And I think that narrative is one that has been kind of embedded in a lot of societies which come from religious kind of tenants, you know, because England would term itself to be a Christian yeah, country. Yeah, Catholic state, right? I mean, heaven knows that is definitely not the way in which it <laughs> the, the conducts a lot the, of its politics. The pillaging and raping is done, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, so will America and all these other mm -hmm. places. So because of that, I think those kind of uh, cultural norms have seeped into the ways in which our secular thoughts mm -hmm. then come about. Because mm -hmm. then women, in terms of uh, women and how they engage with the um, opposite sex, if they are that way inclined, um, generally, it's about, um, you know, that's where all these rules, like, I'm not going to sleep with this guy until he does this, 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 and that. And then another friend who chooses to not have the same rule in that same kind of environment, she's looked down upon her, oh, that's my friend, she's easy, she'll sleep with this guy very quickly. And again, the idea that a man's conquering ideals is, well, I just need to show these representations of what it is to be a man, and then I just need to close the deal and have sex with this girl, and I've shown that, I've ticked that one on my, on my, um, on my, I guess, my masculinity tick yeah. list. Um, and I could go back to my friends and say, yep, I conquered that one. And I think that that is like the culture in which we have been reared. Mm -hmm. And I think with that being steeped in the patriarchal structure, what that breeds is inequality. Yeah. Because what is good for the goose is- Good for goose. the gander. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think therein lies the problem because casual sex in its definition yeah. is just two people who seek to consent to an agency of having sex without any attachment. Yeah. That, as a simple premise, should not have, in my opinion, should not be something that should have any kind of moral connotation yeah. nor religious connotation, in my own personal yeah. opinion. But obviously, as a society, those structures have already been in place. Yeah. So therefore, even if two people agree that that's all we want to do in this situation, yeah. Why should one person come off worse off yeah. in that in that yeah. equation? Because yeah. they've equally done the same yeah. thing. They've equally been uh, 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 prime and so responsible, solely responsible mm -hmm. in making a decision to choose to have sex consensually. Yeah. Yeah. 
So both of them should leave there equally a whole or yeah. equally just yeah. yeah, nothing. Absolutely. Yeah. Pimping. Exactly. Yeah. And I just think until those narratives start to get challenged, which I think is a long way away from where yeah. we are, I think those movements are slowly happening, you know, because the words around whole and stuff is getting rebranded. Mm -hmm. But I do think to a certain degree. Of course, not neglecting the fact that this huge problem comes from the men ourselves. Yeah. But I think even within the women, there is still a lot of that narrative. Yeah. For example, like, you know, like, I don't know, dating apps or whatever. Like a woman could say, oh, I'm not the type that sleeps around. Like the first question for me is even, yeah. that feeds into that same narrative. Yeah. What yeah. is the type of a woman yeah. that sleeps yeah. around? If a woman chooses to have agency yeah. to choose to have sex with someone, what does that, why does that brand yeah. her as someone that yeah. sleeps around? Yeah. And actually what characteristics yeah. should be attributed to her yeah. that you don't have? Yeah. That, that you're trying to tell me yeah. that you're better off than that woman. Yeah. And I just think that or, is such a- It makes you a better human being. Exactly. Yeah. And I just think that is so problematic yeah. because in the same way with men that ask women how many partners they've ever had, either way, yeah. you know, to me, those questions are equally steeped in the same poisonous yeah. narrative. Because yeah. why, what does that, what should that yeah. tell you about yeah. that person? Yeah. About their moral yeah. uh, um, uh, compass? What should that yeah. tell you about that person's emotional um, maturity? What yeah. should that tell you about that person's cognizant, uh, cognitive awareness? Yeah. That should tell you nothing about yeah. that. Actually, to be if anything, it should tell you more about the, 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 the emotional maturity yeah. that somebody has, the intelligence that yeah. somebody has to be able to make decisions that are based upon her agency yeah. and be proud of those those choices yeah. and actually not attribute that to being less of a person yeah. or more of a person. Yeah. To be fair though, just one one quick one. If if a person says, I'm not the type of girl that sleeps around, maybe they're not judging the one that sleeps around. Maybe the other saying is, I'm just not the person that sleeps around. If that but, makes any sense. But then the so question is- We assume that they're judging someone that sleeps but around, but maybe they're not. They're operating on a binary. Yeah. Because what does that mean? What does the person that sleep around- Maybe like, they're, that, they're just describing themselves. Because as I saying, think- As saying they like to choose your partner carefully before they go into bed with them. Maybe that's the kind of person they are. And they differentiating themselves with someone that might, might not necessarily have to tick a lot of boxes because they just want an instant gratification. So maybe they just want you to be aware that you you might have to check a few more boxes before we sleep but together. But for me, because I personally don't, I think it's very troublesome mm -hmm. to operate in a binary narrative mm -hmm. because I am not one thing and I'm not the other. Yeah. I can never say to you, I am, because what you do then is you create yourself no room to have agency yeah. to yeah. make decisions yeah. based on how yeah. you feel. You go, you go if you've not checked, if you've like, because it should also be about simultaneous exactly, feeling. Exactly, exactly. So it's like, if you've not checked all these boxes, oh, then I can, oh, I feel all this intense feeling, but my box is not being exactly. checked yet, so I need to wait. I've met people that in some instances, we have had incredible intellectual conversation. Mm -hmm. We've had- Is that what you call it? Absolutely, <laughs> we've had that. And ultimately, we've deduced that the strongest connection that we have now is solely physical. Yeah. And we've both created- the conducive environment for us yeah. to explore those conversations yeah. that this is what we want from yeah. it. And we've done that. And it's absolutely maintained that same level of yeah. respect, that yeah. same level of yeah. intellectual conversations have happened after as well. Yeah. And, and that to me, that might have been the first time that woman has ever done that before. Yeah. And that could be the first time I've ever done that before. <laughs> no, no, Shut up. <laughs> but the point is, the point is there in that moment, yeah. We both exercise the agency yeah. to choose to do what we felt yeah, at that yeah, time. Yeah. Not what we don't ever do yeah. or what we always, always do. do. And yeah. I think when someone tells me I'm not the type, that again speaks so much to me about the binary narrative yeah. that they 
they've box themselves into they've got rigid because exactly mentality. because yeah. there shouldn't be a type yeah. of anyone that does yeah. anything yeah. you know I have not killed someone before but I'm never going to tell you I'm not a type of person that doesn't kill people because yeah. if somebody does something yeah. to someone if who's you, really close to me the war, I might be killing might somebody yeah. so this idea that there's a binary narrative yeah. I'm not this person or I'm not that person speaks to me about someone that doesn't even know themselves yeah. Yeah. because actually if you know yourself you realize that there's elements of yourself that you probably haven't uncovered yeah. because the You've scenario not explored, yeah. has not put you in a position yeah. to be able yeah. to explore yeah. that side of yourself. Yeah. And, and that's where I think a lot of the problems are with people that don't even know themselves mm -hmm. because they only subscribe to a narrative that's been pitched to them by the society. Yeah. And actually what that means is if you're this type of person, yeah. the society values yeah. you more. Good girls don't exactly. sleep around. Exactly. Yeah. What's the definition of good? Exactly. So like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Now you're definitely right. But um, a question. So if, if, if you met a girl mm -hmm. and you knew she'd had 300 partners. Well, how would I have known? Let's say you knew. How though? Um, let's say she told you. Okay. Let's say she told you. Let's say out of the blue, you're having a conversation, goes, sup, slick? How you doing? Um, oh yeah, you know, just so you know, I know you might not need that information, but I'm letting you know <laughs> right. anyway. Yeah. I've had 300 partners. Does it change your mind, your view of her? And I'm gonna... would you be able to plan the future with her? The first thing I'm going to ask, answer the second question first. Yeah, go on. Of course. I would definitely be able to plan a future with her if that's what I, if her characteristics as a person mm -hmm. makes me feel like I want to plan a future with mm -hmm. her in that regard. The first, the first question is, I am not going to lie to you and say that number wouldn't, I, it wouldn't trigger a feeling yeah. within me, yeah. but I'll have to interrogate the, re the why? reason why I'm yeah. triggered by yeah. that feeling. Yeah. Because actually for me, there are still levels of conditioning that are in me. Yeah. And I know that. Yeah. And I am very aware of that. So if that she says something like that, I know it would trigger a feeling yeah. within me, but then I'll have to, based on the second answer, yeah. challenge myself not to not want to plan yeah. a future with that person because she's told because me. Of that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because I have to ask myself, why does that yeah. matter to me? Yeah. Even though I would never ask her the yeah. question yeah. Um, because I solely don't really need to know yeah. that number. Yeah. Um, but if that number gets to me, I know that there will be a trigger, yeah. which is based upon the way I've been conditioned for yeah. the most part yeah. of my life. Yeah. It's only been the past few years I've been unlearning yeah. some of those conditioning yeah. and it's going to yeah. take forever yeah to really consistently do that yeah. work. So therefore I will be triggered, mm -hmm. but that would not inhibit me from trying to plan a future if that's what yeah, I wanted yeah. with the person before knowing that information. Yeah. yeah. How about you? Yeah, um, now I'm with you on that. I think- Are you though? Um, my first reaction, just like you, would be probably taken aback. Mm -hmm. And but I always believe the heart, I'm a firm believer, you know, I always tend to quote this. The heart wants what the heart wants. The heart is always going to want what the heart wants. And if you meet someone, because for me, the idea of meeting someone and you are totally into them and you are going to disregard them because of the amount of sleeping partners they've had, mm -hmm. when everything else is amazing, it's ludicrous to me. Mm. I'm not saying that number might not take me aback. Yeah, just like you, it's definitely going to take me aback. But it's also being able to step outside yourself every once in a while and go, what if I was in the same scenario? What if I've Probably with, are. Yeah. Well, I don't know about yeah. me, but I know about you. Obviously, it's just 10 you've had, right? <laughs> exactly. No, yeah, I, I said six. I came, I came <laughs> down to six. Um, um, but yeah, if if it was if it was the shoe was on the other foot and I, 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 I was being honest and I said this to her, would I want her judging me? Would I want her writing me off Regardless of all the amazing things we we are when we are together, would I want her writing me off? If it's a no, and if I'm really into that person, then that would not make that that would not be a factor to me. But it's you are definitely right. It's it's why do we feel that? 
and it's from society, the way we've been raised. It's the narrative, even from the books we've read. Mm -hmm. Snow White was in um was sleeping for years, waiting for a Prince Charming to come give her a kiss to wake her up, right? Prince Charming is done all his debt and come and Snow White's just been virginal, waiting away for her. So she was getting with the seven doors. <laughs> you know what? Put on her if she was. I, I would. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, what's really uh, a big problem is the fact that also societally, the imbalance comes from what women are also raised to expect. Yes. Because there are some women that would want to have a guy who has a player history. Because to them, that gives them the perspective that he's a desired person. Yeah. And he has this, this fluent experience with women. Yeah. Even though they don't afford themselves that same experience to, agency to match them and, up. Yes. Yeah. But that's what they aspire to. Whereas if a woman was told that this guy has never had sex with, a, with anyone before, in their head, they almost think, well, that means nobody really wants it. Yeah. Um, yeah. As opposed to thinking, wow, that's a great thing. Yeah. This person has preserved themselves. Ups, up, yeah. And actually, Ups, if they are asking yeah. to have yeah. a woman as well, who's not slept with many people because they've chosen, yeah. that that's what they want for yeah. themselves. Yeah. So therefore they are also equally seeking yeah. that out. That should be a, a beautiful yeah. thing. Yeah. But actually for most people, for the most part, there's a lot of women that will look at that in a in an adverse way and yeah. think, well, that must mean he's not really the yeah, type that no most girls are into or he's probably a, a lame guy and all these other things. So until those narratives are equally challenged yeah. as well, that women are not looking to the idea of what it means to be uh, a made man or a desirable man or attractive man to with the same trope. Lame also, right? huh? To be fair, he's probably lame also. Well, right? the guy that's been around. <laughs> no, the guy that hasn't. It's probably lame as well. Yeah, so to be fair, the woman's probably right. He's probably lame. Why? Why do you I think that? I just played a double tap again. Well, that's <laughs> definitely... Because <laughs> I, I know a few that are not. Yeah. You know, that on paper, you know, most women will never know that they've never had yeah. um, partners before. And that's not because they are definitely not able to get partners. Yeah. It's because they've chosen they consciously yeah. um, to, 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 to not do yeah. that. Despite a lot of um, women actually actively doing themselves at them. So actually yeah. that's... Yeah. Far from the, yeah. the case. That, that's like say that to the devil's advocate yeah, that, that you're speaking on behalf. But of. that is like a a minority to the rule, though. That probably, yeah. of course, yeah. it is. I think it because is because most guys want to have sex. Most guys, it's it's, it's once again it comes in our DNA. Most, most guys, people want. Yeah, to have most sex. people want to have sex, but I think but, women but, are conditioned to 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 hide that yeah, desire. Yeah, yeah, because our because I think it's it's a bit it's it's different the way we manifest. Sorry, manifest. Ah, uh, sexual <laughs> sexes are your back. I know. <laughs> manifest. <laughs> the way we manifest our, our sexual desires comes from two different places. We are very outward. And Does it very... come from two different Mine comes from one place, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good one. See, mine come from here. <laughs> and then here. <laughs> I don't know where yours is coming from, but mine is here and here. <laughs> Uh, and the two. And the words of five dog. Plus <laughs> <laughs> a nut in the eye. You can see where I come from. <laughs> oh, shoot. That's a good one. But yeah, I think, so we, we assume because if you're looking for something in a place that you, you assume sh that thing should be, if it isn't there, you look in the wrong place, right? Mm -hmm. So, if we judge in the way we manifest our sexual desires to a woman, 
it's misplaced. Mm. It's the same way as if a woman is judging a man by the way she manifests her sexual desire. Now, it's going to be totally misplaced. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think you are right. We live in a place where, we live in a time where anyone should exercise whatever they want to exercise, right? But just like the topic we touched on before, the, the societal change needs to happen as well to coincide with the change that's happening now. Mm-hmm. So from the narrative we tell our kids, don't get me wrong, the, the narrative of telling your kids, you, you got to be careful, you got to choose the right partner. That's, that's all fine and good. But when that person becomes a sexual being, they'll do whatever they want to do. But we need to start teaching our kids the healthy ways. Exactly. And not get them get growing up, already having these hang up regarding sex. It's amazing how... We the only species, right? If you think about it, that on one hand values sex so much, but on the other hand has this very archaic view about sex and the sexual feeling and the, the, the way we're supposed to exhibit our sexual desires. Mm-hmm. So we we still have this very old school mentality regarding how we're supposed to manifest all our sexual desires, but would write a book about something like well, whatever shades of grey or whatever it was, right? I know you read those books. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> That's the kind of enlightenment you talk about when you read books, right? Of course. <laughs> it's, don't you find it so, how it's so contrary and so hypocritical Absolutely. that at one point we would bear all on TV and that's okay. But then go, oh yeah, but when when you're in your closed doors, you're supposed to be very inhibited and you're supposed to be very coy mm. and don't express yourself in any way. Mm-hmm. And that cont- contradiction is, is bound to screw anybody up. Exactly. Anybody. Exactly. Is bound to, so we need to start analyzing why we've been told this narrative mm-hmm. and why it's maybe, if it's good for you, it's good for you. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. why it might not be good for, good for someone else? Exactly. And I think what it is, is, and that's why I think specifically with, within the black community, that's why I think our education around sex and safety sex uh, practices are not something that is major because we don't even speak about sex, mm-hmm. let alone actually try and advise people or educate people how to um, pursue sexual desires in a healthy way in terms of how to protect each other, how to, you know... Um, how to be more uh, aware of um, um, birth control uh, um, measures for men and women, you know, and all these other factors are are the reasons why, you know, a lot of us are not well-versed in that Mm -hmm. because we are not even encouraged to even think or talk about sex until when you are actually ready to do it, have sex. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, (laughs) you're figuring it out by your own. And I just think that is is a problem. I think on paper, you know, there should be... um, the freedom to be able to exercise agency, men or women or any other gender in between that want to engage in sexual activities. And, and there shouldn't be any derogatory or sort of, um, uh, I guess, frowned upon ideal to anyone that chooses, yeah. you know, to engage in casual or um, not casual yeah. sex. And I just think we are far away from that because yeah. I think those tropes exist between men and women yeah. as well. And I hear that and it really, really angers me a lot, especially when I hear that from, from women because I just think, you know, you are 
again an agent of what's yeah. oppressing yeah. you. Yeah. You know, you are also playing a role yeah. in trying to perpetuate this yeah. narrative yeah. that a woman that does this is 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 not desired yeah. or desirable in a society. Oh, it's not a good person. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And actually, that's poisonous. Yeah. You know, you choose to do what you want to yeah. do and not hold upon anyone else yeah. any judgment that she's choosing to do this or yeah. not choosing to yeah. do that. Because frankly, there's some people that are incapable yeah. of having um, casual sex because of the way they're emotional and yeah. mental yeah. kind of dynamic is, yeah. is made up yeah. and that's absolutely yeah. fine. Yeah. And go know you. Absolutely. But don't look out on the other side and go, okay, that person is doing something else so that person is wrong. Absolutely. Because that person could be looking at you going, you are wrong. And exactly. Yeah. And I think ultimately as well, what I find sometimes is a lot of women that are really scared to be able to live the life that they probably want, really want to yeah. live because of the ways in which they think society is going to judge them, them yeah. because of how they also judge other others. women. So when yeah. they say other yeah. women that yeah. do that, yeah. they, they, as a response to how they feel yeah. that they wish they could do yeah. that, they start to make try and make those women feel bad yeah. because they think, how dare you do them. what yeah. I wish yeah. I could do? Yeah. You know, yeah. to be free and to yeah. exercise this yeah. sexual liberation yeah. that you seem to have when I feel like if I do that, people yeah. are going to frown yeah. upon That's me, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I just think a lot of that needs to come. People need to interrogate themselves yeah. and understand why it, it is that they also regurgitate these narratives yeah. that are equally problematic to themselves and to the society yeah. moving forward. So And, um... The, uh, the other question I was going to ask is, do you think there is anything as, as a society or as men or as um, whatever we can do to sort of change that narrative of that hypocrisy behind if a guy sleeps with 20 girls, he's a player. If a, if a girl sleeps with 20 boys, well, she's the whole or mm -hmm. what, whatever negative word we've got to, what you call it, place on her, basically. Mm. I mean, firstly, I don't even... I, I would be intrigued to know what it's like in um, in uh, gay and single gender um, relationships, if they have the same tropes, because mm -hmm. I actually have no idea yeah. if these That's kind of point, connotations yeah. are present there. But the first thing I would say about how to kind of, in my opinion, to slowly bring about the change is in the ways in which we raise our children yeah. and in the ways in which we speak to the younger generation the about, you know, these ideas mm -hmm. that, you know, um, boys would be like, oh, you know, young mothers and stuff would be like, oh, it's going to be a heartbreaker. It's yeah. going to be this. Yeah. Those things yeah. are speaking to the yeah. same narrative, but no one says to the daughter, oh, you're going to be breaking so many, so yeah. many men's hearts because, yeah. you know, you're going to be with this guy and that yeah. other guy, yeah. you know, yeah. whereas the young boys would be like, oh, it's going to be a player, player, like his dad, yeah. he's yeah. handsome. Yeah. He's going to get all the girls, yeah. you know, and that, those language, just language needs to yeah. start to change yeah. in the ways in which we say these things to the kids. And then in terms of what we provide them with from a younger age, mm -hmm. getting them to understand the power of agency, mm -hmm. you know, just giving them the, the wisdom to be able to make wise choices. Mm -hmm. So it's not about what you choose to do. It's about why are you choosing to do that? Yeah. You know, if you decided to have sex with somebody yeah. when you were 16 or 17, it's not don't have sex. Yeah. So why are you choosing to yeah. do that? Yeah. What is it about that person yeah. that's giving you the freedom, the, the safety, comfortability to choose to make that decision yeah. with that person? And actually when you choose to, if you choose to, are you doing it in a safe way? Yeah. Are you doing it in a way that doesn't leave you vulnerable um, outside of your control? Yeah. So it's about having those frameworks that actually give people the... Um, tools to be able to make decisions based on their own agency. Yeah. And until we start to raise kids, especially in schools, in terms of the way we do sex education as well, and not separating genders when we do sex education, yeah. actually, we are all collectively should be learning from the same yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, book. Yeah. You know, you shouldn't yeah. be telling a guy that this is what sex means and then telling a girl, because a guy should equally be aware of yeah. what sex should be like yeah. for a woman yeah. and vice versa. Yeah. You know, and I think until I think it's actually these... very more important if you knew, because at the end of the day, if 
you're going to be with an opposite partner. You're not having sex with yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You're having sex with someone else. Exactly. It's best you actually, because you already know about the way your body works. Exactly. It's about actually getting to understand your opposite partner. Exactly. And that is actually, I think, a key to a better understanding mm-hmm. of the others of the other sex. Mm-hmm. And if, if you're in a relationship or even if it's casual, being able to pleasure one another, you you actually more able to pleasure the other person if you know a little bit more about exactly. them and how they work. Exactly. So on that note, we're gonna bring this to a swift end. Yeah, we will. We shall catch you next time, potentially with some new guests as well. So that should be quite exciting. Um, yeah, we are out. Yeah. Peace. Thank you.